1: We're talking updated dynasty rankings on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, roto Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at roto I can already see the twinkle in Curtis's eye, you know, setting my StreamYard screen ablaze here or a glow, I guess I should say. Uh, that's because we are about to start talking about updated dynasty rankings. Obviously still a work in progress as the 2021 season has yet to come to a close, but we wanted to start making our way through what we think things will look like as you're heading into startups next season. Curtis, how are you doing, my friend?
2: Doing great. As you mentioned, this is like, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. This next like, this next six to eight weeks is just so much fun, man. We're we're working on. I uh, actually created the shared folders for us to upload all of <laughs> our Rotoviz fantasy football rookie draft guide uh, stuff into today, and that just really got my juices flowing. Just thinking about me and that first rough copy that's going to come in. Uh, from you and, and from Blair and f- from Sean and Travis and, uh, our, talking about scheduling our dynasty rookie ranking summit, the first one, which is always one of my favorite days of the off season, uh, our mock drafts, that's all going to be great. All that rookie stuff. So uh, if you've got the dynasty bug, definitely make sure you go over to rodoviz.com, click on 2022 rookie draft guide, go ahead and lock in, uh, lock in your rookie draft guide series. Three volumes uh, will be released over the course of the spring. We're talking about the veterans tonight, and we've got Sean's update from mid-December. Uh, my update from actually on New Year's, I was doing an update, and Dave uh, has been tweaking a little bit this week. So uh, there's a little bit different game info informing these, but they're, they're all updates from within the last month, and they all represent kind of where the three of us are on uh, the, you know this these players heading into 2022. You know, it's time to start figuring out. How we're going to handle startup drafts how do these players uh, you know value against each other at the same position creating those tiers to trade into or out of what is a player worth in terms of rookie draft capital if you're rebuilding all of those things are derived from this beginnings of this exercise, which is why it's so cool. And that's why, that's why I can't hide, uh, my, my pleasure, uh, on this topic. So, um, Dave, I'm just going to kind of run us down through, uh, where, where we're at with like the top 12, like what, what, what a first round would look like if, if we used our composite rankings today for super flex, uh, PPR tight end premium draft. And this is what's really cool. Dave has done an awesome job of incorporating tweaks um, that Sean and I have suggested over the past couple of years. Uh, Mike Beers, I think, helped us with one of the tweaks too. One thing you can actually do is display our rankings as a draft grid. So it's a handy visual tool and it's going to help us with this exercise. I'm just going to read down the names and then we'll talk about some of the observations, Dave. So the 101 and yep. our composite rankings right now would be Kyler Murray, followed by Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. So you got four quarterbacks at the top. Then we see Jonathan Taylor slot in at the 105, Justin Herbert, 106. Then we've got the what seemed to be a consensus wide receiver one and two now with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. The order is debatable. We're going to spend a lot of time on that, I think, this month. Um, 109, Joe Burrow. 110, Mark Andrews. Again, these are tight end premium rankings, followed by CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Hurts. So running down that first round, seven out of the twelve our quarterbacks you actually see Jalen Hurts in our QB7 over players like Dak Prescott I think that's pretty interesting um just three wide receivers and only one running back and one tight end so um let's just take it from the top Dave you are um you are somebody who has Kyler as your 101 um overall he's actually, actually tied they're Josh Allen. With, Yeah uh, they're tied uh, Yeah, they're they're tied. So talk talk me through Kyler just a little bit. Obviously, he didn't run quite as much this year. What makes you confident in valuing valuing him equally to Josh Allen or or handily above Patrick Mahomes?
1: Yeah. So I think that um one of the things that I, I was thinking about was how I draw a line between Allen and Kyler Murray. I might lean a little bit more towards Allen. But um, if I take a step back and just say, all right, like until I can really dig into this a little bit more, is there much of a difference between these players? I would argue that maybe there isn't because we have seen what Kyler Murray is able to achieve with his legs. If you go back two seasons ago, absolutely phenomenal what he was doing as a rusher. We've seen a progression as a passer. We see him playing in a team that this year offensively looked better than Buffalo did at many times. Right. If you look at the Josh Allen side of the equation, we've talked about the steps that he's taken, how phenomenal of a passer and a rusher he is playing also in an offense that has proven to be pretty special at times. But I don't think that you can sit there and say, if we're looking out three years, there's a discernible reason that Murray and Allen aren't in that same type of range. Um, If I take a look at what uh, Kyler Murray did this year and hold on, I'm quickly opening up the uh, NFL player stat explorer because honestly, um, we're still working through this. I don't have all the numbers in my head yet. Uh, If I pull up Kyler Murray, I will see that this year he comes in as the QB4 in PPR per game, QB154% of the time, four in completion percentage um four unexpected points per game the offensive numbers are strong i like the offense that he has around him and i like the coaching staff that he has uh this year there were some things that buffalo did not incorporating stefan Diggs in the passing game as much as i would have liked to have seen obviously Allen still did well uh but if i'm like just zooming out right now i can't really say that i think that um there's this huge separation. And then in relation to Patrick Mahomes, who, who you included in that answer, uh, you know, some of the some of the sheen came off of Kansas City this season. And I think that Mahomes needs to have more success in doing special things, uh, you know, just solely through the air because you don't see what you get from the rushing game with Kyler Murray. So if the league still continues to figure out different ways to slow down Kansas City, off of that pace that we had seen earlier in Mahomes' career, I think it's hard to make a case that he's really differentiated himself from these guys.
2: Yeah. Um, but I, Mahomes is a, a fun place to stop because, you know, he did, he had a lot of the games that we'd expect. You know, he had, uh looks like 10 games at greater than 22. 11 games are greater than 22 fantasy points and uh 10 top 12 weeks. So on the, on the surface, that's not bad. It's just that his bad games were bad. Yep. Um, w- when he was QB two, it wasn't like he was, you know, a QB 14 and other guys were just blowing up. Like the games where Mahomes was bad. He actually could have lost you your week, you know, in a, in a single QB league, even, um, 11.8 points, 12.1, 12.1, 14.4. These are games where he played every snap. And we just haven't yep. seen that type of downside from Mahomes, especially when you have healthy Tyree kill, when you have healthy Travis Kelsey, it just doesn't make sense. It's not what we were accustomed to over the past couple seasons. If you just look at the the top number of top 12 weeks, he was right in line you know, for four years in a row now, he's had uh, nine or more top 12 weeks. And in three of the four, 10 uh, or more. Um, But, you know, we saw him, he's, he's fallen now um, to fifth in fantasy points over expectation. The touchdown rates down a little bit. Um, And, you know, the points per game versus last year, significantly down last year in just 15 games. He, he put up 431 uh, fantasy points through 16 games. Uh, He's about 50 points behind that this year. Uh, QB four slotting in to that bigger group, not a differentiating player like he's been in the past. And so he did come back to the pack. Um, For me, I've got him uh, with like material, a material value difference between him and Kyler Murray uh, in in my rankings. It's like a difference of almost like a second round pick, the same thing that you've got there. Uh, Sean's a little bit more um, linear, but what I would say is none of us have, Patrick Mahomes as our QB one, um, right. which is like almost unthinkable going back to last year. Uh, he, he was the consensus QB one. And so uh, you actually, all of us have Kyler Murray either at our one or tied for our one. Sean has him as his clear one. You and I have him tied uh, in our respective rankings with Kyler, with uh, Josh Allen rather. Yep. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And it, it really is a, a top four. When you look at the the three of us, it's a top four tier, Sean does have more of a gap between Lamar Jackson and those three. Um, I've actually got Lamar ranked right in there uh, with them. And you've got Lamar and Mahomes, um, you know, neck and neck along with Herbert. So there, there's kind of a lot going in there in the back half of that tier. But I think all of these guys belong in, in the QB one tier. And the most important takeaway is all of them above, you know, Jonathan Taylor, when you mix our rankings down. Um, and And what that really means is, um if you're gonna take a quarterback at the top of a super flex draft, if you draw the 101, it, this is a, the type of thing where if you can trade picks when you're on the clock, you're trading back to the 103 or the 104, and and you're taking the quarterback that that you can get there and picking up whatever draft pick upgrades from later in the draft that you can get or future rookie draft capital, um, and and then you know the waterfall uh and the the trades that you can make off of those trades kind of begin. Um, Then we get to Jonathan Taylor and I did a little Twitter experiment today in prep of this episode, just asking the community, who's your dynasty RB one, Jonathan Taylor or somebody else? And the results are just astounding. I can't remember this type of, I'm not even sure McCaffrey ever had this type of dominating answer because he was battling people like Alvin Kamara Mm -hmm. and Dalvin cook and Saquon Barkley, you know, before uh Sa- Saquon uh lost some of his luster. Jonathan Taylor all uh over 90% of the community responding with Jonathan Taylor as their RB1 versus the field. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I wasn't even restrictive. It's 90.4% to 9.6%. Um so there's a just a it's a chasm of a, a, a drop off. And and what I think will happen uh in in startup drafts what I predict will happen is that if you want Taylor the price to trade up into the mid first like the 104 105 are going to be so valuable because you have the opportunity to draft a tier one quarterback you can take taylor or you could be a little early on your your choice between jefferson and chase the sweet spot this is my takeaway the sweet spot of startup drafts in this format super flex tight and premium is the 104 through the 106 that's where you want to be if you can pick your spot pick that spot if you can't pick your spot, get into those spots. Those are where the value players are. And what I've come to appreciate appreciate about your rankings, Dave, in particular, is you do a really good job separating uh, the, the values of players um, it, into really clean tiers. Like yep. if I look at your rankings, it's very easy to see here's this grouping of guys and then here's the next grouping of guys. And uh, Sean, Sean and I are a little bit uh, a little bit less dramatic with it but I, in some ways I want to challenge myself to actually say, all right, we say 0. 0.4 in our Rotoviz ranking system is a second round pick. And we say uh, uh, 0.2 is a third round pick, you know, and I really want to challenge myself to, to use some of that round math to make these tiers even more clear uh, because I think that'll make our startup draft rankings even more actionable. Um, yeah. Any comments on that before we talk about the back half of the first round?
1: Yeah. Well, well, a couple of things. And I think one of the things that I was going to say, you really hit upon there, which is anybody that's listened to this show for maybe more than a couple of months and heard us talking about rankings, I always say this. But when you're looking at rankings or even when you're putting them together, you have to remember that a lot of these, especially in the case of Dynasty, are projections to some extent that you're trying to make going outward three years in something that has so many variables that it's very hard to predict. When I'm doing my rankings, I know that I could try to tell myself a compelling story to break a tie between players, you know, like uh, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, like we just talked about. But I know that it's really hard to quantify what that difference is. So I feel like, for my, the way that I conceive players, I oftentimes just have them in those clean buckets where I have my group of guys that are comparable. And then a drop off, because I think to really differentiate in a meaningful way, the distance between two players that are extremely similar is so hard to approximate that I try to be careful that I'm not giving people a reason to look at these rankings and say, oh, well, Josh Allen is one. Kyler Murray is two. You definitely have to go Josh Allen. Because I feel like then when you're playing the game, you're considering making trades Um you can make decisions that aren't as optimal if you're covening one player over another when they're extremely, extremely similar.
2: Yeah. And, and that's the other, I think that's the other, uh, reason to value composite rankings. Yep. And so, um, I trust my own rankings. Um, I prefer my own rankings obviously, but I, cr- I'd always double check myself when I'm making a big decision. Hey, what's Dave think about this guy? What's Sean think about this guy? Yep. Um, and, and I'm sure you guys are doing the same. Um, you know, I, I'm sure when Sean does his next update, he's he's going to see that you and I have made adjustments to Joe Burrow um, after you know his last two explosive games. Uh, Sean's last update is before that, and yep. now we've seen the chemistry with T. Higgins and the chemistry with Jamar Chase. Um, I I would I would bet that Burrow will pull even at least with Justin Herbert and Sean's rankings and potentially with Lamar Jackson. So that's also going to shake this up a little bit. um, As I read down um, those rankings again of the top six, I think it's very possible that Burrow moves up to that one, six or at least one, seven spot. So again, halfway through the first round, uh, You know, we had Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, then Jonathan Taylor and Justin Herbert. The back half is where you get some of the position players, other position players in the big debate wide receiver one, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase. Twitter had a lot to say about this. Uh, this was the, I, I did this for all the non QB positions today. And this was by far the favorite poll of the group, uh, over 2,200 votes in the last four hours, uh, Jamar chase, 60.1% wide receiver one, um, Justin Jefferson, 36% and other, uh, just under 4% 3.9. So Jamar chase a majority choice as a wide receiver one, but still plenty of Justin Jefferson fans out there. Yep. And it's, it's enough that it's not, you know, whenever I see you know, there's, there's eight or 9% type responses on a poll. I know it's just that player's managers uh, <laughs> voting for that player. So, you know, you still have, you know, basically four out of 12, uh, you know, four or five out of 12 managers in a dynasty league ranking Justin Jefferson over Jamar chase. And so I think that's really the way to think about this, Dave, there's, there's less than a year in actual age, Talking with some people on Twitter about this, uh, friend of the uh, friend of Rotoviz, friend of this podcast, Rich Rebar, um, you know, talking about Joe Burrow really kind of being the tiebreaker there. Yep. Um, the Vikings are going to have an off season where they're in flux, lots of chatter. Will Rick Spielman be gone? Will Mike Zimmer be gone? Um, has Kirk Cousins fallen out of favor? He's definitely one of the the quarterbacks I've seen in a lot of the early off season trade speculation uh, clickbait articles. Um, and a lot of times they are clickbait, but you know where there's smoke, there's there's fire. Sometimes, and he his name seems to be popping up a lot along with with Baker Mayfield. Um, so it, if we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for sure, and we don't know what the front office looks like, which would impact the direction of the team, the type of offense they're going to build, and potentially a change at you know the head coach. Adam Thielen's going to be 33. He can't stay healthy. Dalvin Cook's on the way down. Vikings are not a team that is stable like the Cincinnati offense. You know, the Cincinnati offense I look at very much like I looked at the Kansas city chiefs offense entering the 2019, uh, 2019 season and all the premiums that you assign to those players, Tyreek Hill, basically consensus wide receiver one, Travis Kelsey consensus tight end one, Patrick Mahomes consensus QB one. We could be saying that by the end of this off season, we could really see a lot of Bengals in the first two rounds of startup sure. drafts. And so for me, um, chase, chase is going to slot in there as my wide receiver one. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure where, where are you on these two players, Dave? And have you put even that much thought into it yet?
1: Yeah. Well, for me, um, I had a, a quick internal debate, but even if you were to remove the questions that one might have about Minnesota, I think that chase is the one that if I'm forced to pick out of the two, that I'm going to go with. I think it's possible we're looking at a player and I I rarely ever throw out something that's hot takey, but I think we could be looking at a guy that's going to be one of the best fantasy wide receivers of the next like 20 years. No doubt. Like I think that is completely in play. I think it's possible that he and Joe Burrow have one of the best connections that we're going to see in a long time because we've now seen that play out twice, two different teams you know, two different leagues. Uh, we've seen it happen so quickly for him. Now, one of the things people talked about in Justin Jefferson's rookie year was that a lot of things worked out to make him extremely efficient, right? We saw him sustain that. I think that's something that people could put at Jamar Chase. But again, we've seen enough now to know that this is the type of thing that is very likely to continue. So to me, um, it's very hard to find anything that I can use to point to uh, for Justin Jefferson, other than counterfactuals for Chase of just pointing out things that he hasn't done yet because he hasn't had the opportunity to do them, so I, I like Chase a lot. Clearly,
2: right now they're coming in at seven, eight. Um, in our in our rankings again, Sean, Sean's update is from before. Uh, you know the the earth shattering game from Chase. I think if he were even to put Chase leveled up against Jefferson, the fact that you and I both have Chase uh, with a slight edge over Jefferson would flip chase to the road of his dynasty wide receiver one. So I would anticipate that happening probably in the next week yep. um, when Sean has a chance um, to, uh, to to do his next week. Um, it, and it's, it's exciting to have these two choices. Um, and, and I don't think that there's necessarily a right one or a wrong one, but I, I do feel like a lot of the ties go Chase's way. And then I think also recency bias, you know, everyone was really excited about Justin Jefferson, but even as that was happening, and as he was breaking out, there, there was the debate even during the 2020 season of if Jefferson's this good, how good is Chase going to be? It's almost like everyone was already, because they played in the same offense, everyone was already waiting on Chase. And then that that confirmation when he actually does come in and blow up, it's just kind of hard to whittle away at that. And I think his value is going to continue to game steam uh, throughout the offseason. You and I both have Chase with the same dynasty. Oh, no. Actually, you have answered this question. I have Chase and Taylor with equal value, and I'm really having an internal debate about that. You have Chase with uh, the equivalent of a fourth round pick, higher value than Jonathan Taylor, which is basically just tiebreaker so stuff. I'll say, I it's, think it, it's not material. It's once, not material. I ac- so, yeah. so, once I actually
1: yeah. Once I actually iron these out, like I did these today, so I was only really looking at players um, like you know what, like a granular level within their position. I'll probably adjust that down. Um, because I I, I think it's gonna be hard for me to make a case for Chase being more valuable at this point than Taylor. When you look at when there's more options at wide receiver, right now, like as we talked about, it feels like Taylor is kind of in this tier almost all to his own to some
2: extent. Yeah, that's that's what's gonna prop him up. And especially in your traditional high-stakes dynasty league where it's like a start two, it's like a one-two-two-one two, two, one format. The the running backs are just really inflated there with fewer flex options mm-hmm. but those leagues that you know there's a lot of leagues on MFL you know private commissioner leagues you know leagues like those that you know Ryan McDowell creates um where you can start like up to six wide receivers and when you start getting into that type of stuff um you know the values look a little different and even in our RotoViz triflex dynasty leagues over an FFPC where it's mandatory start 3 wide receivers i think that brings them closer together but the allure of the dominating running back is very hard uh, for people to get away from. So I, I would suspect that the community at large will value Taylor over chase, but I don't think it's necessarily as definitive as where the community will be. I think that our team will probably be much closer on those two um, than the community at large. Let's spend a moment on, on Mark Andrews versus Kyle Pitts Cause Andrews is in our, our first round here Pitts falls. Uh, he's at, uh, 15 overall in in this tight end premium format. Uh, Andrews is at 10. You're the highest on both of them actually. So that that's an interesting conversation. First of all, um, how we value the elite tight ends versus the other positions. We can do a whole episode on it, but let's just talk about these two elite guys as we're kind of coming to a close here. Yep. Difference between Andrews and Pitts, and why you feel just why you feel justified. I mean, let me let me resort your rankings here actually um Andrews comes in at your number 13 player overall. Um Pitts comes in at your number 22 overall. So that's I mean that's it's a gap. Yep. What 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 makes you like Andrews so much more? Well, if I think about the
1: window in which I'm considering these guys, I can understand that one pushback a lot of people would have would be well Pitts is at you know he's younger, just started off. But just because he's younger, that doesn't mean that in the next three years, even if you think that there is going to be a chasm between these players eventually, like if you think that Kyle Pitts could be the greatest tight end of all time, even from a fantasy perspective, not necessarily going to manifest in the next two to three years, right? We know that there's probably still going to be a ramp up. He's in a situation in Atlanta where I don't feel comfortable saying, even though he is the top guy there, it's necessarily going to allow him to propel himself that much forward next year. whereas. Andrews is already in a spot where, uh, you know, he could take another step forward to some extent full season with Lamar potentially. Uh, So for Kyle Pitts to catch him, I think a couple of things need to go right. And I think that there's even some room as a result of that for Andrews to kind of take a little bit of a step back going to next year and still be more valuable to your team than Pitts. You could bring in the conversation about why a guy like George Kittle or uh Travis Kelsey hasn't uh or you know, don't remain up there in those top rankings. I think with Kelsey, it comes down to the point that at this point, I do think the age gap matters. I think Kelsey is at a point where he could start to slow down potentially in Kansas city. Overall, it looks like could slow down a little bit. And then in relation to Kittle, I have questions about what that team might look like as we continue to see Debo Samuel emerge as Brandon, Ayuk got more involved. And as we potentially see Trey Lance be the guy there. So that's just kind of the quick overview there.
2: Yeah. I I like it. Um, even, even talking about a two or three year window, the thing that we're most sure of for next year you know, with Andrews, even if you just want to do head to head with Pitts. Yep. We're sure we're sure of who his quarterback's gonna be. We also saw him dominate with two other quarterbacks mm-hmm. in Baltimore um, within the context of their offense. The one cons- the only concern I have about him versus Pitts is I think there's a gr- there there's a potential for Baltimore to fall back into the run heavy scheme next year, along with Lamar being back at the helm will will he continue to develop some chemistry with Rashad Bateman um rekindle his chemistry with Hollywood Brown so you know is there a chance that you know you got three guys kind of with equal target market share in a run heavy offense whereas Pitts you know could be one of these 150 plus target guys next year so i think i think it's a question about you know, Pitts is kind of like he's got the talent and the opportunity that everyone was so excited about with T.J. Hawkinson this year, but now he's actually put up the season that we'd been waiting on Hawkinson to to put mm-hmm. up. So, so I'm really struggling with it. I've got him even up, and I, I that's kind of a, a you know a, a wimpy way to do it. Um, I, but I I guess I would say it's eye of the beholder for me. Um, and that that's where I'm at right now. I'll probably end up slotting Pitts above him by, you know, a fraction, just so he shows up the way that I want him to in, in the order. But in terms yep. of like dynasty value, I think that they're very, they're, they're very similar and I wouldn't fault somebody for an opinion, you know, one way uh, or the other. Um, I, I did notice, um, and we'll get into this in other episodes. <sighs> there is a huge gap between those two and the tight end three. Now huge gap. We're, we're getting into <laughs> um, the very late third round before we see another tight end show up. So that that's going to be fun to break apart over the course of the next month. Um, you know, the guys that are just outside that first round, as we kind of bring this to a close, Dak Prescott, Kyle Pitts, Debo Samuel, we're just outside the first round T Higgins, Cooper cups, uh, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, kind of rounding out the list there. So that gives you an idea of what the turn, you know, will look like. We'll cut this up. It'd be fun to have Sean on and do a dynasty centric episode where the three of us kind of get into it. Any, any kind of parting words about what the top of our dynasty rankings look like right now, Dave?
1: Well, I I mean, I think that what the top really tells you here is uh, that there's a group of quarterbacks that we feel very strongly about. Um, in terms of what things are going to look like in a super flex league. Uh, but the other thing that I would say is if you're somebody that perhaps has not ventured into super flex leagues, what you can learn from here is that your team can be put together in a lot of ways that don't force you into going with a quarterback early. If there's a handful of wide receivers, running backs, or even some tight ends that you really like, there are guys that make sense to go for in the first round. This year, same thing goes, even if you're somebody that has played for a while and you're thinking of switching things up this year, you know, maybe if you have that four or that five, you think about, and this is something I wanted to ask you about this, is, but this would be a whole other episode. Maybe you think about moving back one spot if you know that you're not in love with one of those quarterbacks or you don't care about the difference like we talked about, or you're cool with taking chase or something like that. So I think that gives you a little bit of mobility this year. Um, I, I guess that's just really though my main takeaway is that it, it's a fun group of players once you get past those first five quarterbacks, a lot of things you can do.
2: Yeah, because it's new faces, man. Uh it's new yep. faces. Uh uh, you know, we, we don't see Devontae Adams, we don't see Saquon Barkley, we don't even see Christian McCaffrey in this round. Um, just so it it was the same guys for two or three years, and now there's a changing the guard, and that creates all kinds of excitement and all kinds of flexibility, as you mentioned. Um, and as we're talking about this, an idea that I have for an episode <laughs> next week, we um, next week uh, for one of our episodes, we need to do like, I, I don't know a, a top, top three must haves or top five. Like I, we'll, yeah. I'll come up with a, a, what what it would basically be is like, regardless of the rankings, um, because let's take the positions out of it. Like just who are the players you're most excited to have on a roster or you're most excited to, mm-hmm. to draft in a startup. Cause that, I start that's smiling what smiling really just thinking get.
1: about this. Cause I it's know, like, man. I gotta have
2: these guys, man. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll figure out a way to to put a fancy title on that and and a format uh for us to have some healthy debate, but yeah, I want to I want to talk about some of those new players and that'll also give us a chance to talk about the value of the the Superflex 101 and rookie drafts as well as one of those assets. So, um this this is just the first uh dipping of the toes into the dynasty waters in 2022 going to be doing a lot of this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, One more reminder, if you enjoyed this talk and you want to figure out how to slay your dynasty league, make sure. We pre-order our 2022 Rotoviz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide on rotoviz.com. It's only 18 bucks for all three issues. That first one's going to drop the last week of January. Uh, we've already planned our Rookie Ranking Summit for the third Saturday, right after all the declares are done. It's just going to be so great. I can't, can't wait to get that thing out in everybody's hands. It really generates a lot of chatter. And uh, the sales just exploded last year. So uh, don't be... The guy or gal in your league that didn't buy it, you're gonna regret it. Thank
1: you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at show at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C Patrick NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.